What is going on, you animals? Thanks for the click. This is the Intelligently Resigned Show. I am your host, Adrian, podcasting to you from the nether regions of the Intertron. Uh, more specifically, the offices of Civil Beat Hawaii, which is Hawaii's relatively new uh, news outlet. And I am sitting here with one of the journalist people, my new acquaintance, Nick. Uh, thanks so much, Nick, for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Adrian. I appreciate it. Right on. So, Nick, what is Civil Beat exactly? You know, I didn't call it a newspaper, you know, now that paper doesn't exist anymore. But, like, is it independent news or what is it? Right. So, Honolulu Civil Beat is an online investigative news outlet that focuses mainly on watchdog journalism. So, that means keeping politicians in check, watching where your taxpayer dollars are being spent, and, um, you know, going beyond the he said, she said journalism and really delving into specifics uh, with data and public records. Um, we started about, geez, what is it now, almost five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our fifth year anniversary is coming up in May. And um, yeah, we're kind of an alternative to what you might read in the daily newspaper. And uh, you know, we try to provide more in-depth and analytical coverage of the issues that are facing Hawaii and Honolulu today. All oh, right on. Well, thanks for doing that, Nick, so that I don't have to. Okay, I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's very nice. I can uh, smell the freedom of the press air fresheners that you guys have in here. This is, this is really cool. So how long have you been at Civil Beat, and what is your official title? Uh, yeah, I've been with Civil Beat since about May of 2012. I am a reporter. Um, so, you know, I'm one of the one of the folks who goes out there, interviews, fo- interviews politicians or government officials or just your everyday person on the street. Um, and then I write my story or, you know, if it involves, say, data visualization. Right. Uh, we would do some graphics um, and we also have uh, some photographers here to try to help make our site look a little bit prettier. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So 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 that's me. I'm the. Uh, one of the worker bees, I guess. Very cool. Yeah, I'm stoked. I- I've been hounding Nick now for the last month to be on the show. And I told him I could be, you know, meet him anytime, anywhere. And he he called my bluff. You know, he said, how's Tuesday? I said, Tuesday's no good. He said, how's Thursday? I said, Thursday's worse than Tuesday. He said, how's Wednesday at 9 a.m.? And, uh, you know, he called my bluff. I- I'm complete. I'm desperate for guests, you know. So, yes, I will take time off work to do this. But thank you. My wife is very excited that I'm taking time off work to do uh, this. But right, right, yeah. either way, I tell her it's my craft. Honey. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's uh, you, you know, you probably have a busy uh, schedule just like we do, too. So. Well, the, the only reason I hounded you was because uh, you guys put your email at the end of your articles, which you got to stop doing that. I can't imagine your spam filter for your email. Do you get a lot of like crank emails and stuff? Um, you know, I think that's uh, actually it's a good thing for reporters to put their emails and mm-hmm. sometimes a little accountability. Well, not only accountability, yes, we have to, you know, we have to make sure that everything that we report is accurate. And if it's not and somebody calls us out on it, we fix it right away. But it's, uh, you know, it's just generally a good idea to include uh, contact information at the end of your article because we actually want people to contact us because, 
you know, I don't know everything that's happening in the world around us, right? Um, it, it, that's impossible. Nobody really does. Um, so it, it, in some ways, you know, you'll get, you'll get news tips. Yes, occasionally you'll have um, some people who are a little out there, but, you know, it just comes with the territory. I mean, I'll, I'll still do my best <laughs> to always respond and at least say thank you for the comments. Um, and, you know, occasionally you'll get a really, really great tip that'll uh, mm. turn into something very special. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's funny because, you know, you're a journalist uh, for a news outlet, you know, and I, I have a, a podcast, you know, on the Internet. It's, it's kind of like we're both technically in the media, right? It's like we're practically colleagues. Am I right, Nick? Well, yeah, I mean, I think in some ways, yes. I mean, uh, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, there's uh, th there's um, citizen journalism. You know, that's that's a thing that exists, and um, you know, where people can go out there. Maybe they're uh, not necessarily paid, but uh, maybe you have bloggers, right, mm -hmm. who go out there and they do reporting just like we do. Um, and uh, you have people doing podcasts as well. We we actually have our own podcast. Yeah, it's a great one, by the way, too. The Pod Squad, really good. Yeah, well, thank you. That's a newish thing mm -hmm. that we've started over the past uh, several months. And, um, you know, it, it's actually kind of funny. I've, uh, it, it's not often that you get recognized as a reporter, especially if you're not like a TV reporter. But there was one time I was riding in a cab uh, with, with some colleagues, uh, one of whom was on the pod squad with me in the cabbie stopped us and said, wait a second, are you guys working at Civil Beat? And from I, your voice? Yeah, from our voice, which is to <laughs> totally weird. So um, it, was, it, was, it was surprising. I'm not, I'm not used to that. That's cool. I guess that's what I'm going to start calling this. Uh, what is it, C citizen journalism? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's what I'm doing, yeah. Right. Thank well, you, I mean, you. it's also documentation. I mean, you get to <laughs> what you're doing, from what I can tell, is you go out and you interview people in the community and you get their stories. I think that's um, incredibly important today. It's, it's documenting life. Oh, yeah. There you go. You see, honey? Uh, so, Nick, we are going to talk uh, homelessness in Hawaii, you know, but first I wanted to get a little thumbnail sketch of, you know, the life of Nick. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a wild limb here and guess that you were not born and raised in Hawaii. Is that true or false? Uh, that is true. Uh, um, I'm actually a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force for 22 years. So oh. uh, I lived all over the world, actually. Um, and then as a journalist, you become a bit of a vagabond as well, traveling <laughs> uh, from place to place. And so I've been a reporter in uh, four different states, uh, Wisconsin, California, Oregon, and now Hawaii. Oh, very cool. And then what did your mom do? Um, my mother worked at the Pentagon for a little while, and then um, it, she's on the East Coast now, uh, and she works as a paralegal these days. Oh, no way. That's a trip. So then for, like, your your formative years, you were moving around a lot? Yeah, for, for much of it, every two, three years, you're bouncing around. So it was... Uh, so how did you do socially, like, in high school and stuff? Um, fine. I went to the same high school that my dad retired right uh, around that age um, to Wisconsin, which is where uh, he is from. And, uh, you know, it was it was great for me because I always wanted to go to the University of Wisconsin, which is uh, where I actually ended up going to college. So it kind of worked out in my favor. Um, but I mean, I, I, if you want, I can see if I can do the quick rundown of all the places I've lived. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, but, but like socially, were you like a nerd, you know, or like, um, actually here, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and like, okay, uh, based on this, I'll say, uh, true or false, 
you did experiment with alcohol in high school. Uh, that is true. Uh-huh. I mean, so I, I mean, if you want my high school profile, uh, it was uh, <laughs> I was the smart kid who played sports and also got into trouble. Ah, and then I'm gonna say you did not try marijuana. True or false? I'm not gonna answer that question. Yeah. Get, oh, you're using some of the tactics that you see when when you ask people questions, huh? <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, it's uh, it depends on who you're talking to. The um, some government officials will say things such as no comment, or uh, you also have the funny the funnier one of um, I can neither confirm nor deny. I like that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they just get very creative at different ways of not answering the question too, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody has, has a way of dodging. And then what is your marital status? I am not married. Right on. How old are you? I'm 31. 31. How are you liking uh, being single white dude out here? Um, Hawaii's great. I yeah. mean, it's it's a really beautiful uh, state. Uh, a lot of cool, fun things to do. Um, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Right on, man. So, Nick, the overall, like, the state of journalism a little bit, I, I kind of have some critique about it. But, I mean, one of the, I think one of the starting points is that right now there are currently there are five major media companies from where we get most of our, the vast majority of our information. You know, like, uh, I think uh, Rupert Murdoch is one of them. Disney is the, another one of the five, you know. and But basically, like, overall with that, what do you see as, like, the pros and cons to that? Well, consolidation is always troubling uh, when it comes to media. You have less voices um, and uh, less perspective. Um, You have that playing out here in Hawaii, which is one of the reasons why Civil Beat started. Uh, You have the the newspaper, the Honolulu Star Advertiser, which Mm -hmm. is a merger between Mm -hmm. two daily newspapers. Uh, so that's automatically one voice, one voice less. The Honolulu Weekly is no longer here, yeah. uh, whereas it uh, used to provide an alternative voice to um, to the daily newspaper and to the magazines that are here, as well as the TV stations. I tried watching the evening news recently, <laughs> and it's painful. You know, it's comical. It's like so bad, it's funny, and so funny, it's sad. You know, and. Uh, like, they still use puns. <laughs> you know, like, you think that this would be, like, this relic from a bygone era, you know, like that left with black and white TV, you know. But, like, anytime a, a kitty cat gets rescued from, uh, from a tree, you know, the situation ended perfectly, you know. And they go to Twitter. Like, now they'll just take a break to be like, look, let's see what's trending on Twitter, you know. Like, I don't care what Pacalolo Man 69 has to say about the potholes, you know, on Kapahulu or something. And, of course, you know, the obvious punchline there is that, like, if I wanted to know what was going on on Twitter, I'd go to fucking Twitter, right? Also, I mean, the thing about Twitter... Pile on here, please. Yeah, so that you actually have to remember and why it's a useful journalism tool um, is because, again, what it can be used for is to find out what's actually happening on the ground in places that you're that you're not. Think about the Arab Spring, mm-hmm. right? There, there was a lot of stuff coming out um, on Twitter and a lot of information being shared uh, through that medium that can be useful. Now, you know, there are obvious 
problems with social media and focusing too much on it. But but again, um, you know, you talk to journalists across this country, across the world, and you see what they're using social media platforms to do, and it's actually mm-hmm. quite quite amazing. I mean, there are apps out there where you could, let's say, you were covering a protest down at the state capitol. There's a, an app that you can get where you can draw a box around that state capital on a map, and every tweet, Facebook post, and Instagram uh, photo that pops up will appear from that geolocation around mm. that box that you draw. And so if you wanted to get the voices or find some people who you thought might have interesting perspectives or opinions, I mean, that's definitely the way to go about it. Um, now, as, as a journalist, you're not gonna wanna go interview somebody about the grilled cheese sandwich they had that afternoon. Unless, of course, that grilled cheese sandwich made them sick and was part of, you know, a a larger outbreak of maybe some sort of foodborne illness. But I tend to look at social media as a useful tool. Mm -hmm. But when the for, you know, when the evening news goes to it for like commentary, it's like this weird, like they don't want to compete with the Internet. So they're kind of like, hey, don't worry, kids. Look, we're hip, too. We're, we're checking out what's on Twitter just like you, you know? Um, yeah, I, I mean, you have that. But, I mean, that's because the technological landscape is changing. Um, mm-hmm. And so as a media organization, you have to keep up with it. But there's this whole idea of interactivity. Mm-hmm. When you can interact with your audience that's great. It keeps them engaged. I mean, we even have somebody here who we call an engagement editor. Um, and it's not somebody who gets people hitched or anything. But he, what he does is he uh, monitors our Facebook page and our Facebook comments that are on our stories. And, you know, maybe he responds to one of our um, commenters uh, or on, on Twitter. And so it's all about creating you know, an engaged audience and, and, and an audience that feels like they can actually talk to or with the reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, right on. So let's transition to uh, something slightly uh, more depressing than the state of journalism, and that is homelessness in Hawaii. I definitely I wanted to have you on because you've had on uh, Civil Beat a bunch of good articles uh, focusing on homelessness in Hawaii. And I thought that was very interesting to, to get some more insight and stuff because it is it is fascinating. It is quite a problem here in, in Hawaii. You know, I've been here since 2006, and out here, uh, it was a tr- it's a trip. Like, my inarticulate summary of it is just, uh, holy shit. Like, whoa, look at this. You know, like, look around. Like, this is, this is part of, very much part of the landscape of our city, you know, and, and you, you can't help but be uh, sympathetic to it, you know, and whereas a lot of other people... They, they see it more as just like aesthetically unpleasing and then that's it, you know, like get rid of them, push them away. And it seems that that's been kind of the approach of our politicians in Hawaii. But I guess kind of describe, like imagine you get to describe for someone who like you just picked up, um, like you picked up your Aunt Connie from Wisconsin or something and you're driving, you know, to Waikiki from the airport and she asks you, you know, sweetie, are there homeless people here? <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's a pretty easy question to answer just because I, I, I think that there, there are homeless people a lot of places, mm. um, you know, and, and Hawaii actually has uh, the most homeless per capita uh, uh, of any of the states in the country. Not surprised. 
Uh, well, it, it is kind of surprising, I, I, I think. Um, and, you know, it raises a lot of questions about why that is. You know, um, you can look at our cost of living. It's There are a, a lot of people here and elsewhere, of course, who uh, live paycheck to paycheck. But when you look at the median price of a home here, it's $700,000. That's what, three times almost what it is in other parts of the country? And then you look at uh, some of our biggest industries. Our biggest one in particular is tourism. And, you know, that's not the highest paying industry. It's not like healthcare is our is our biggest industry, um, you know. And so when, when you look at that factor, just the, the cost of living here um, is, you know, you start to kind of understand it, you know, and when you look at a lot of the jobs, you know, maybe there are a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck. So if, you know, there's one little stumble, you can have folks there. Now, what would I tell Aunt Connie? I mean, I would guess I would explain to, to her that um, and and say, you know, there's uh, that it's highly visible here, especially in places like Waikiki and Chinatown. Um, but I mean, that's where you have a lot of resources right there are some public bathrooms around there there mm-hmm. are other people where you might be able to get some money uh, to hopefully buy some food or or water and 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 you know there's also parks and open space to sleep so tell us about also some of the pieces that you've done for civil beat uh, regarding homelessness and some of the more interesting things that you found Right. Um, so earlier, well, I guess it would have been last year now since it's 2014. I know we've been trying to connect since then. Um, but uh, last year I did one piece where my photographer and I went out for a night in Waikiki just to see, you know, who we could talk to and, you know, get a get a good on-the-ground sense of what's actu- what it's actually like out there. Um, you know, this was at a time when the city had ramped up its enforcement of its stored property ordinance, uh, which allows them to go seize people's belongings and lock them up unless they pay f- to get it out. Um, you know, they uh, th- th- it's a law that basically targets the homeless and yeah. targets people s- sleeping on the sidewalks or, you know, maybe setting up a tent on the sidewalk. So, you know, there were a lot of complaints about that. And so we went out to see just exactly how it was being enforced and to talk to those people about it and just to see, you know, what it, what, what it's like from the homeless person's perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, an- another reason we wanted to do that is because when you looked at the local news coverage that was happening, it all seemed to be from the angle of how is this impacting our tourism market. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, we felt that they weren't telling the full story, so we wanted to go out there and help to add another voice to, to the discourse. What we found was that the homeless uh, people who were living in Waikiki when we spent uh, the night out there weren't deterred by this stored property ordinance or these uh, seizures of their belongings. I mean, they weren't happy about it. Mm-hmm. But what they had done is they had figured out that the hours that the cops would come, they would just pick up their stuff and just walk right across the border of Waikiki's um, police district, wait until 6 a.m. and go back to where they were. So between it was roughly between the hours of midnight and 6, they would disappear when all the tourists are, for the most part, in bed. Mm-hmm. And then they'd come back at 6 a.m., 
set up in the same spot so you wouldn't necessarily get the feeling that they were um, moving into shelters uh, at that point, which of course is what the local uh, politicians and government officials say is what they're trying to do by chasing people around the streets and seizing their belongings. Um, it's what they, what the what Mayor Kirk Caldwell describes as uh, compassionate disruption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, t- tell me more about some of the other measures, or if that's the main one, you know, that either the city and county of Honolulu have implemented in the last couple of years since you've been following it, or the state of Hawaii. Yeah, so um, there's that stored property ordinance I just told you about, mm-hmm. um, and then the city, and, and that's a city ordinance, uh, city of Honolulu, and Honolulu also uh, recently passed a sitting and lying ban, which makes it illegal to sit or lie on a sidewalk. Again, a law that criminalizes being homeless and that targets the homeless. Um, in addition, they have made public urination and defecation illegal um, uh, around Waikiki. Um, same, same with the sitting and lying ban, but they're looking to expand it as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, well, at least the sitting and lying ban for sure. Um, I guess the defecating, um, I could support that. Like, I can, I can take some peeing in the bushes in the alley, you know, like, is even on a societal level, like, I can absorb that, you know, so to speak. But the defecating, you know, I mean, yeah, well, have you I, ever gotten drunk and peed outside of a bar in Waikiki yet? I mean, so the 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 urination and defecation. No, I'm really asking you. Have you ever gotten drunk and peed outside of a bar in Waikiki? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were saying. Um, so the urination and defecation law. Uh, there was origin. There was another law in which that was enacted, also around like the state capitol and downtown area. Uh-huh. You know, so that that's not uncommon. Um, I, you know, it's but it's the sitting and lying bans uh-huh. are what are found to to be ineffective, and um, in fact add to city's cruelty level when it comes to uh, dealing with the homeless. Honolulu is considered one of the meanest cities in the country Uh, when it comes to dealing with the homeless. Um, That's one of the things that we had reported uh, in in some of our coverage of these issues. And, uh, you know, that's not a great distinction. Mm -hmm. And so overall, like, what grade level would you give, like, the state of Hawaii, you know, and how it deals with its homeless and you could call out any individuals too, you know. If there's a, if there's douchebaggery afoot or chicanery, you know, let us know. Well, as a reporter, I have to be very diplomatic, uh, right, um, and objective about this. I think when you look at the state of homelessness in Hawaii, uh, again, we have the highest rate of homelessness in, in the country among the states, and that that's not good. And you see, you know, it's heartbreaking to see children, homeless children Mm -hmm. in places like Kaka'ako or out on the west side on the Waianae coast. Um, And you wonder if uh, improvements can be made now in fairness to the government and in fairness to Honolulu Mayor Kirk Caldwell, they, they are trying a new approach called Housing First. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a national best practice. It's been found to actually help certain populations get off the streets and get into a home. And basically what you do is instead of 
providing, let's say, drug and alcohol treatment to somebody who's living on the street and making them pass all of these courses before putting them into an apartment. Mm -hmm. You put them into an apartment and then you wrap those services around them. And it's just been proven in a lot of places to help and uh, not only with uh, the treatment of, say, drug and alcohol abuse or mental health issues, but also um, the idea of homelessness. I mean, it, you, you're putting somebody in a home. Mm-hmm. And, and so there, are, there have been a lot of, uh, th- there's been a lot of progress made there, but of course that's always subject to all of the politicking that goes on uh, between the mayor and the city council. And then, you know, you have state lawmakers uh, as well. And, you know, money's always an issue as it is with, every, uh, with everything. So, I mean, it's bad. But it it's, it seems to be on the path to improvement. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I knew it wasn't great, and it's good to hear, even though that they're actually going to try something a little more sympathetic than the, the crap they've been trying recently, you know? Uh, speaking of Hawaii lawmakers, I remember uh, this guy Tom Brower, who's a, in the Hawaii ledge, and he was going around smashing shopping carts with a sledgehammer as his statement against homelessness. Meanwhile, this guy's a rep for Waikiki and Kaka'ako and all of Moana like, that have huge homeless populations. And like this was this guy's fucking uh, tactic, you know? And I was so glad he got shamed, you know, online. You don't have to say it. I was, what a douchebag, you know? Excuse me if I may. Uh, Tom Brower, uh, you are a mean-spirited fucking douchebag, okay? What is the matter with you? A sledgehammer to a shopping cart? Like, this isn't a CrossFit class, dude. This is society, okay? And uh, you've contributed nothing, and, in fact, you've taken us backward, and uh, and you're a dick. You want to say anything to Tom, Nick? It's your turn. I already wrote a story about Tom, so... Uh, yeah, that, where can we find that? Uh, you can find it on Civil Beats, <laughs> uh, which is civilbeat.com. I'm pretty sure the Huffington Post, uh, one of our partners, also picked it up. Uh, he, he got a lot of attention for that. Hell yeah. Meanwhile, he got reelected. He's still a rep, right? Uh, that is correct. <laughs> and he's also still a rapper. No way, really? Uh, Tommy B. Yeah. And then so kind of back to the cops, though, like on the scale of uh, total assholes and reasonable and sympathetic, like where would you put the cops? Uh, in regards to how... How they're dealing with the homeless. You know, I think, um, you know, the average officer is put into a difficult position, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen uh, officers um, on the street. I mean, they see these people. They know these people. They interact with them on a daily basis. Um, And so, you know, I've I've seen them treat them with respect uh, in in some regards, of course. You know, that you can't always use blanket statements about any sort of interaction like that. I mean, they still have to make arrests. They still have to enforce the laws that have been created for them to enforce. Um, So when I look at the police department, I tend to see them as kind of uh, they're put in this situation based off of the laws that politicians mm-hmm. are creating. Um, now, does that mean there's not friction? No. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's a tough job for them, and homelessness is an incredibly difficult topic to uh, to handle. I mean, again, you're talking about a lot of folks who uh, might have drug or alcohol addictions and or mental illness. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, uh, it's 
just challenging. Yeah. I trip out, especially here in Hawaii, thinking of the homeless where you could kind of guess that there's a lot of them that aren't from here originally, you know, and that they came here. They, at some point in their life, flew over here with X number of dollars in their pocket, you know, did something to try to get by, either hanging out on the beach, got some job doing something or other, either got mixed in with the wrong crowd or whatever, you know, but then something went really wrong. And now they're just kind of stuck here, you know, and like that trips me out for some, like that element uh, for Hawaii is, seems kind of unique to me, you know, whereas like if you're from like Minnesota or something, you could technically, you could walk to Santa Monica, you know, but like at some point you flew over here, you know, and then something went wrong, yeah? Well, I mean, that's the case for everybody who's homeless, right? Um, or most people. I mean, most people don't choose to become homeless. I mean, sometimes something happens. Maybe you have a major medical um, issue that you just can't afford to pay for. Maybe you go through, then your medical bills uh, cause you to, you know, maybe become bankrupt and have to move out of your house, sell your house or whatever. Uh, I, I mean, there's also this misconception here that a lot of our homeless are coming from other places. Well, a mm-hmm. lot of people in Hawaii come from other mm-hmm. places. In mm-hmm. fact, about 50% of the people who live here were not born here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not different uh, for a lot of other places. Um, now, and, and, you know, you look at folks who maybe they've lived here for 20 years. If you've lived here for 20 years and you've only been homeless for the past two years, uh-huh. I mean, Hawaii is your home. Uh, should you be expected to move back to <laughs> your parents' house? No, I, I don't think that's necessarily yeah. the case. So I, I guess I'm just like fixated on the element of the airplane or something. I don't know. Well, Sorry. no, I, I, it's not just you. I mean, politicians uh, are, are like that as well. And they've, have they talked about like flying people back home to? They've actually yeah. flown people back uh-huh. home, and because there's the the big rumor that you know a lot of cities and states would ship their homeless, buy them mm-hmm. one way tickets to Hawaii, uh-huh. and send them here. And then, uh, you know, there's now this campaign that a local nonprofit is going to run that's going to tell homeless people uh, don't come to Hawaii, which I'm, I'm still trying to really wrap my head around around that whole campaign. Um, Was the thing with the cities shipping, flying their homeless out here with a one-way ticket, was that a rumor or was that really happening? I mean, was it like it, a morning zoo gag uh, <laughs> In, like, Cleveland or something like that, you know? I, I think it's really hard to say. I mean, I haven't seen the proof of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear, but when a lot of people say that it happened, I mean, you kind of have to look into it. But, you know, um, journalists are supposed to have proof, and um, <laughs> that that proof, uh, you know, there's the saying that if your mother tells you she loves you, you better check it out. <laughs> so... Um, you know that that that's that's one of those mother tells you she loves you stories to me, but you know I'm just not as familiar with it. I mean, it could be true or it could just be uh, a folktale. One of the things that you were focusing on in one of your articles was uh, homeless people dying on the street, right? Uh, yeah. So um, homeless people don't live as long as people who are living in houses. Um, that's quite obvious. Uh, so I wrote a, a couple of stories about that. Um, I was curious about it because you, when, when you think of homelessness in a broader scale outside of Hawaii, 
Um, you think of people dying in the cold from exposure, you know, uh, in, um, in the streets of New York mm -hmm. in the winter, or uh, in Boston, or maybe San Francisco, where you know where oh. the, the temperatures can dip uh, to dangerous levels. So in Hawaii, I was thinking, well. It's pretty warm that, you know, like that would probably not be as much of a, a factor here. But I mean, the, what I found was that, you know, people in Hawaii die uh, on average 30 years younger than uh, other people throughout the United States, which is the same no matter what state or country you're in. And they suffer from a lot of the same uh, maladies, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol kill a lot of folks, uh, in particular meth. Um, here in Hawaii and other parts of the country, it's heroin. Um, you have uh, a lot of medical issues. I mean, just basic medical issues uh, uh, result in the deaths of a, a lot of people. I mean, it's uh, one of the, the, the biggest killers of homeless, uh, mm -hmm. not only here, but elsewhere as well. And um, yeah, so I mean, that was kind of the enlightening and to, to see, you know, what what was actually killing the homeless people here and whether or not there were any sort of solutions or obvious solutions to maybe help uh, to improve the mortality rate here to where people weren't dying as often or as young. Is it something that had been starting to happen more so in the last year or so? or No, I mean, uh, th there were roughly about once a week. Mm. You know, I mean, you have your ups and downs with any statistics, mm. right? Uh, but there didn't appear to be any sort of trend line uh, over the years that the data was available for. Uh, what, what was surprising to me is that nobody had actually looked at the data. Mm. They tracked it. But nobody just looked at it. Who keeps it? Um, so I got the, the information from the Honolulu Medical Examiner's Office. Um, and then I put together a database that's now being used uh, and looked at by some other state agencies that were interested in the findings that we had, including um, the Office of Hawaiian Affairs. Um, because, uh, you know, Native Hawaiians here make up a disproportionate number of the homeless, uh, both alive and dead. That's a trip. Just tie it all up, you know. Finish something depressing with uh, with some death. That's a good uh, some good pot right here, I think. Uh, but overall, Nick, uh, you know, just kind of in summary, you know, has any part of like your your worldview or your perspective, you know, on this city or in society in general, you know, kind of changed after your work and in, in examining this issue further? Or what are your What are your takeaway points? You know. Well, I mean, yeah, every story that a reporter does kind of challenges uh, them. You know, you, you see some of the best and worst parts of society, and, you know, you have to write about it uh, with, with almost a, in some ways, almost with a disassociation, um, which is difficult as a human being. I mean, because you sympathize uh, with, with what you see. And yeah, I mean, the homeless issues, again, um, it's really, uh, it's just really difficult to handle as a human being because, I mean, you're talking with other human beings who are uh, struggling mightily sometimes just to eat yeah. or, um, or, or who, you know, might not understand the situation that they might be in because of uh, severe mental illness. And, um, you know, it's heartbreaking. Uh, at the same time, when you look at 
it's, you know, when you ask that question, how can we help, you look around and if nobody's helping, if the government's not helping, that's where the reporter says, hey, this is this is what you should be focusing on and here's why. So you can help these people who are uh, some of the most desperate in our population. And, uh, you know, it appears that uh, some government officials are paying attention and are hoping to change things here. It's just my job as a journalist to hold them accountable and make sure they follow through on those promises. Very cool, man. Uh, Yeah, it's quite a fascinating issue that you don't see getting much better anytime soon. You know, it's it's just it's very interesting. And uh, I I do like, you know, the idea that you can judge a society by how it treats its least among them, you know, and and uh, on that case, I give Honolulu a D. (laughs) Not good. But yeah, man, thanks so much for uh, for sharing with us a little bit what, about what you found and uh, keep up the good work. And uh, can you let us know uh, where people can read your work, if you're on Twitter or anything like that? Right. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having having me on the podcast. And hello to everybody out there who uh, I know you can't see me, but if you ever wanted to uh, get a load of my mug, you can go to civilbeat.com and uh, you know there, there you can read articles um, not only about homelessness but about all the other issues we cover including politics and uh, you know the environment and energy and uh, police corruption even and if you want to follow me on Twitter uh, you can do that at Nick Gruby and yeah then you can see what I'm tweeting about and what's trending just don't tell Adrian he might get a little mad as long as I don't see your fucking name show up on the KITV news I'll be fine with that Nick. Uh, no promises they are our media partner <laughs> oh that's why you're holding back no, I'm uh, well Nick it's been a pleasure uh, gazing into your baby blue eyes and uh, hearing you talk man uh, you want to maybe be Facebook friends or something uh, yeah, just send me a friend request. Or we could be MySpace friends if you want, either way. I don't have a MySpace account. Oh. And uh, can you uh, can you validate my parking? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Uh, thanks so much, man. Uh, well, that was that, you guys. Thanks so much for the click. That was another episode of the Intelligently Resigned Show. Until next time, go and try and enjoy the rest of your freaking lives, you animals. I will talk at you later. See ya. This isn't a CrossFit class, dude. This is society.